Hi everyone and welcome back. There's a lot to update you on this week. I've now spoken to about a third of our membership over the past week and I want to thank all of those who made time to speak to me at such a challenging time. I've heard stories of incredible resilience and innovation as companies seek to live their sustainability values and their response to COVID-19. For example, our financial services and insurance members have a raft of initiatives to help not just their customers, but also their communities. Nonprofit organizations are seeing a big drop in donations at the moment, and companies like Westpac and Suncorp are stepping up to help the rescue helicopters and the Shine Domestic Violence Charity. The scale of the economic crisis has also meant that some of our members have had to make very difficult decisions as they seek to ensure the financial sustainability of their companies. I would like to acknowledge the work and dedication of those sustainability professionals who've been affected at this time. We want to do all we can to ensure that you continue to be part of the sustainability community. We are exploring ways to do this. Please stay subscribed to Parnui so we can keep up to date. Over the past few weeks, Dane Ambler, a communications advisor for Business NZ and part of the SBC comms team, has been interviewing members to talk about how they are adapting to the new normal. His first interview this week is with Becky Lloyd at Toy to Envirocare, so check that out in Panui this week. He finds out how COVID has changed what they do and how we can keep up momentum to reduce emissions in the recovery. Also looking ahead to the recovery, since I started at SBC, I've been impressed with how prescient the Good Life 2.0 playbook has been on identifying moments New Zealanders really value. Jay has written a great piece outlining how those moments are even more relevant to telling your brand story post-COVID. In other news, the Sustainability Leadership Program started this week, online for the first time, and the first session, by all accounts, was very engaging and refreshing for, our, for some of our sustainability manage, managers who are grappling with a world that is becoming more complex by the day. A new strategy is making good progress, and we have sent out invitations this week for the online workshops as well as one-to-one -one sessions where you can have your say about our new direction. We're also holding another member online drop-in session today, which I know many of you have found useful. Please do check that one out. And we've been working with government to ensure that the COVID-19 recovery package is invested in future-focused projects that will reduce New Zealand's emissions and accelerate progress towards a zero carbon economy. Look out from an op-ed from me in an upcoming edition of Newsroom for more on this one. Looking forward to next week, uh, SBC members will have the chance to join our Business NZ webinar with Minister James Shaw to hear him outline his views on the recovery. See Panui for details on that. Please do take any of the opportunities I've mentioned to contact us today or just get in contact with me directly. I look forward to hearing from you. Take care. So today we're joined by Toitu EnviroCare CEO, Becky Lloyd to discuss how to keep momentum going on climate change throughout the COVID-19 recovery. Becky, thank you for joining us, first of all. Um, could you tell us what Toitu EnviroCare does? Sure, thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and to the SBC membership. Yes, Toitu EnviroCare, um, our mission is to inspire action for a better environment and a sustainable low carbon economy. So we were previously known as Environmark Solutions. We did a big rebrand um, in the latter part of last year. Uh, we're an organization that's founded in science. Um, we are wholly owned by Monarchy Fenua Landcare Research, the Crown Research Institute. So we're government owned, but we're, we are a business. We're a B Corp. We're actually a business for purpose. Um, and what we do in, in essence is we help organizations to manage 
measure, reduce their carbon footprints and improve their environmental impacts. Uh, and we operate to the highest international standards. Um, and yeah, we work with organizations of all kinds and all sizes um, to, to measure, manage and reduce carbon footprint. We also um, help organizations to offset so that they can be certified to make carbon zero claims as well. Okay, interesting. I know these are, these are quite crazy times. How has COVID-19 changed how you operate as a, as a business? Well, in the short term, it's made quite a significant difference. So the way we operate is clients would join our um, programs as members and they would be supported by a key account manager to um, gather and measure their carbon inventory and then they would be audited um, to ensure that that is an accurate reflection of the truth and then they would get certified. So the biggest practical difference that we've had is that first of all obviously all our team are working from home right now uh, which has actually been relatively seamless and that's been very very impressive transition actually um, but the audit process has obviously had to stop being a face-to-face on-site audit and so our audits are currently being conducted remotely and in general that's working quite well um, every so often we have to defer audits because there are things that we have to see uh, in in real time but it is actually leading us to think about how else could we do this kind of thing using new technology using drones using um, you know, cameras, etc. So that maybe in future we won't have to travel and be on site quite as much. It's interesting you say you're working from home because I thought you were halfway up uh, Mount Everest. <laughs> <I wish. laughs> um, have you had to change anything in the way you, you cope with with your general working pra- practices or not? Um, for me personally, it's been really relatively straightforward. You know, I've, I've, we have good internet here. Um, we have good remote working tools, connectivity tools. We use Skype for business. We use Microsoft Teams. Um, I am very cognizant that for some of my team members who have small children, it's a slightly different proposition. So I'm currently working in a household with uh, three students. My husband works um, in the study next door and then the three students are downstairs doing their thing, but they're all pretty low maintenance. So we kind of meet up at lunchtime, check out the latest announcements, see how many new cases there are, um, and then and then go back to work. But yes, like I say, for, for those of my team members who have young children at home, they're grappling with childcare, homeschooling, those kinds of things. But like I say, in general, you know, I think we're, we're very fortunate to be in a country with largely very good internet, um, very good connectivity, and to be in a business where we can just you know, move our move our locations, but carry on connecting and working. Mm-hmm. And there's one tip or sort of lesson you could give to our members and the companies that you work with. But what would that tip be? Well, obviously, our game is um, sustainable operation and particularly carbon footprint reduction. So, what we're really uh, putting our minds to at the moment is to think about which of these. Um, which of the lessons that we're learning through this time can we make permanent practices? So for us, for instance, you know, we did a quick study March on March, this year's March versus last year's March to look at our carbon footprint. Um, and we dropped from 16 uh, tons last year to five tons this year. So nearly uh, just over two thirds of a drop driven almost entirely by not flying. Um, and so we're now starting to ask ourselves, well, how can we make not flying BAU? Um, and in an organization where, you know, we, we do tend to go out to client sites and we like to get together from time to time, you know, that needs a bit of rethinking, but it's definitely opened our eyes to what's possible. And it's also, I think, as we've been reading in, in, um, in the online newspapers and so on, it's opened everyone's eyes to how much better life is when there's less traffic, there's less pollution, you can hear the bird song, 
Uh, you can, you know, in, in India, they can see the Himalayas for the first time in decades. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, uh, interesting microcosm of what the future could look like if we can really be imaginative and rethink the way we do our work. Yeah, I think a lot of things that have sort of been pushed to the side for a rainy day have come to the forefront, like uh, virtual meetings and things like that. Um, what, what, what do you think is important uh, as we turn the corner and start to recover from this COVID-19 pandemic? I think there's probably um, two main things for us uh, in terms of considerations for the recovery. Um, and one is um, for businesses and business owners and organisational leaders. As I say, don't just go back to BAU. Now have a really good think about which of these um, changes that we've been forced to make for a period of time we can keep. Um, where have the big benefits been seen and, and where can you keep and where can you maintain those practices? And you know, like I say, in our business, a lot of that's in air travel, but it will be different for other businesses. Um, and I think we'll be really critically thinking about well, do we actually have to go back to the way things were or can we reimagine what we do? Uh, and that might, I've already had lots of questions from my team members who are enjoying working from home a little bit more, spending more time with their families going, oh, do we actually all have to go back to the office 100% of the time? Or, you know, can I maybe work from home a few days a week, actually reduce my commute, increase my um, my family time? So, you know, thinking about things like that is a really, is a really good opportunity. And, it really, and stretching your imagination about what's possible in that space. And then I think the other, and again, this is a hot topic um, at the moment, is ensuring that any stimulus, any investment stimulus that is made by the government, of which it looks like there'll be plenty, um, is made with sustainability in mind and with green principles at its heart. So um, last GFC, we know that the, there was a significant bounce back. So there was a drop in emissions, but it bounced back um, and, and exceeded what it had been previously. So how do we make sure that this time that doesn't happen, that we can sustain some of those gains that we've that we've achieved through, you know, it's not obviously been very painful for people who've lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods. We don't want that to be for nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that leads into the next question because the government is looking for these sort of shovel-ready infrastructure projects and it's, it's a good chance to highlight the, the sustainable ones um, that, that we've, as I said, pushed push to the side for a rainy day. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think we can make greater progress on on reducing our, our carbon emissions going forward well, we're, we're big advocates that you can't manage what you don't measure so any of those projects we would say well let's set them up with a with a target in mind in terms of what what should the carbon footprint be how do we make sure that as we build those new buildings they're they're built with carbon zero principles at their heart that we when we build those roads we do so in a sustainable way that we that we do um, good, not harm with those investment dollars. And I think the other myth that I would debunk is that it costs more to do things well and sustainably. It doesn't need to. And certainly if you looked at buildings, carbon zero buildings, um, they use significantly less energy ongoing. You know, they, they can be much, much cheaper to, to operate as well as being better for the environment. So there are real co-benefits in a lot of these investments that people don't always think about. They tend to go in with the assumption that it's gonna be more expensive and that's just not true. But obviously, as we all know, it's much harder once you've built something to make it green than it is to design from the start in that way. Mm. Okay, I'll talk to you about Toy2 more, more generally now. What, what does um, leadership mean, to, mean in sustainability? Um, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I mean, leadership, good leadership is good leadership. And I think it's, it's about, as, as is often the case, it's about setting a clear vision. It's about... Um, painting a picture of what that future looks like and getting people excited about the possibilities. 
Um, it's about making people feel that things are possible that they might have not thought were possible. Um, sometimes it's about taking a position that might be, um, you know, a little bit unpopular um, because you, you know it needs to be done. And then I think it's about clarity, clarity and focus, prioritisation um, and, and getting runs on the board and helping, to be, helping people to feel successful. And I think particularly for Toitu, and as I mentioned earlier, Toitu is a B Corp, part of the B Corp movement, which means you know, we are, if you're a B Corp, you are um, required to consider not just your financial stakeholders, but your community and your employee stakeholders equally. And that's a really important part of being a sustainable leader in our, uh, in our world. And um, so any decision that we make, we consider all of those stakeholders as equal, equal parties in those decisions. Interesting. Well, what do the sustainable development goals uh, mean to you guys as an organisation and how do they sort of shape what you do? Yeah. Oh, we, think, we think the SDGs are very, 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 very important and actually a really, good, um, a really good model to create a common language and to get lots of people on the same, on the same train, if you like. So for us, you know, sustainable development goals are about um, making sure that you, as I said earlier, really keep all of those stakeholders in mind. This, the SDGs enable us to make a just transition to a lower carbon economy. So ensuring that the, um, that the most disadvantaged, the poorest in the community don't get, um, don't, you know, don't have to pay all the price of that transition, which I think has been, has been a big, com uh, big problem in the past. You know, making sure that we operate within the planetary boundaries, within the boundaries of what the planet can sustain. Um, so I think for me, um, the, and it's, it's interesting since um, coming into this role, I've, I've noticed people with their little SDGs badge and the SDGs logo. It's, it's a really powerful tool for uniting everybody again, uh, uh, alongside a common goal that's quite simple to understand. And it, um, it's a simple concept that creates a common language that businesses can all be, uh, all organisations, not just businesses, can, can adapt and adopt and make part of their, their, um, their strategies going forward. How, how do you think New Zealand's performance uh, would sort of compare to the rest of the world? In terms of the SDGs? Yeah. Or in terms of, um, yeah. I think New Zealand is doing a pretty good job actually of, um, keeping all of those things in balance and not being too short-term focused, because I think really what the SDGs require you to do as a leader is to take a medium-term view and recognise that it might take you a little bit longer to get there, but you're going to get there in the right way. Mm. Um, you know, not, we're not perfect, but I think the right conversations are happening in the right places. I think the passing of the Zero Carbon Act last November was a huge step forward because that's really made it um, mandatory to do the right things around uh, carbon reduction. And I think we'll see more and more of that coming into mainstream business and mainstream policy, which is really how this becomes accessible to all. Okay. Are you able to tell us why storytelling is important for sustainability for your, for your business? <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we use case studies a lot, actually, which is a, a, a good storytelling tool. And um, I think, I think storytelling for me is about well you know we're human beings and human beings get engaged if they can imagine themselves being part of a narrative so storytelling um helps you to bring people into your um into your cause or into your perspective and they can start to imagine being a character in your story and, and it becomes real and relevant to them and it taps into the emotional 
uh, side of people as well as their rational side of their their brain. So, um, you know, case studies for us are a you know, small example of how we might use a, use the storytelling techniques to help people to understand what it means to take a position in terms of uh, reducing a carbon footprint or going carbon zero or improving your environmental performance. So we will, yeah, we find that's the most effective tool that we can use to help people to bring this to life. What about um, collaborations or, or partnerships? Have you seen many of those and, and why do you think those are important? Big fan of collaboration. Um, the reason I think, I mean, collaboration is important for many reasons. I mean, I think actually this COVID-19 experience is a really powerful example of how collaborations increase scale and speed of impact because I think we can see that there's been very strong collaboration going on behind the scenes of um, what's been happening in the, in the government space. Um, so for us, uh, collaboration means that, um, like I say, you can have more impact together. You can, build a, you can build on your own strengths and bring in people who have other strengths. So as an example, you know, we've been working for two years with um, Beef and Lamb and Overseer to develop a tool for the farm sector to measure their carbon footprint. Something if we tried to do that on our own, we would have been A, reinventing the wheel and wasting a lot of time and money, um, and B, just not having the depth of knowledge around what goes on on a farm. So we've found that to be a really powerful collaboration that's enabled us to get a really high quality piece of software built um, in a time frame that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own. And the other benefit is for the farmer, they're using a tool that they already use in the, in the um, shape of overseer, so they don't have to start using something else. So, you know, it can be real win-win-win if you do it right. I think to collaborate well, sorry. Yeah, you tell us any more about, about that software and, and how it works? It sounds quite interesting. Well, it's in pilot at the moment. Uh, we, it's, uh, we've used a, a um, lean, lean sort of methodology. So it's, it's what, what's known as MVP, minimal vi minimum viable product. So we're piloting that with a number of farms right now. Um, but what it does is it takes the data that a farmer would capture in Overseer today um, it extracts it and runs it through our um, the tool that we've built off our uh, carbon measurement footprint um, software, and it turns it into a footprint for the farm, and um, yeah, it basically tells you what your carbon footprint is on a on a normal um, any given day. And then what we would do, we're also um, offering the uh, ability to audit and certify that. So what you end up with is a farm footprint that's certified. And we believe uh, that that is then a, a footprint that you can um, that you can use as a selling tool. So a farmer will be able to say, well, I've got a zero carbon or a X tons of carbon footprint on my farm. And then that helps them to um, contribute to potentially carbon zero products down the line. Interesting. There's a lot of uh, really exciting things happening in, in the ag tech space in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you report on your sustainability progress? Well, as you know, we as a measurer of carbon, it's pretty important that we measure ourselves. So we go through the same process ourselves. So we uh, measure and we capture all of our uh, emissions through our e-managed software. And then, although we can't self-certify because that's not allowed, uh, we internally audit ourselves. So we know that we have a valid and accurate um, footprint, and we publish that as all our clients do on our website. That's part of the being being a member of one of our programs. Is you're obliged to publish your footprint report. Um, and so that's available for, for the public to see. And then we also operate, we, use, we have an EnviroMark um, program as well, which is environmental management system. And we 
we make sure that we're operating in environmental environmental best practices across the board. Um, and the final question I have for you is, how does um, your SBC membership help your organisation? Yeah, well, I've, I've only been in this role since November and I found it extremely useful. So for me, it's been um, a networking opportunity to, to get in touch with um, people in the sector. I think it plays a really important role for bringing the sector together. And because our sector uh, can be a little bit fragmented, that's quite important. Um, very strong role in terms of education. So the availability of webinars and um, and uh, events and so on that, that help to educate and keep people current is really important. And then I think just thinking back to your point about um, collaboration, it creates a forum for collaboration. So it, it enables, SBC enables um, organisations and groups to come together to work on common causes and common topics of interest. So, um, and I think the other thing I would probably say is that SBC is an important voice out into, particularly into government, but also into the business community to make sure that um, that sustainable good practice is staying top of mind. That's great. Thank you very much, Toitu Envirocare CEO, Becky Lloyd. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much.